Did you get all your sounds out? Uh, not when the first time you asked. No. Okay. I don't think they're out now either entirely, but I'm going to persevere through it. <laughs> okay, well, uh, the, the spooky time's over. Well, yeah. it's never really over. No, everything is generally dismal and kind of frightening, but not when you look back to the past and the era of glitz and glamour of disco. Yes. A time um, to be alive. Yeah, we neither of us. We were swimming around in some balls. We were churning about. We were churning <laughs> back then. Yeah, we were, we were. We were cooking. You know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah. How have uh, how have I been? You ask. Yes, I did ask you that. <laughs> oh, I. I got banned on my personal Twitter account, so I didn't get the I didn't get the podcast account banned this time, which is uh something good. Yeah, an, that's that's an improvement. <laughs> yeah. I mean there's there's no telling if I'll get the podcast one banned in the seven day interim and just be locked out of both. But uh it's uh, the system's working as intended. Uh, I'm back on Instagram after some trouble. Okay. With that, so we're officially back on there, so you can follow us on Instagram at Raincoat Report, and on Twitter at Raincoat Report. Uh, if you want to find my personal account, it's in my tweet somewhere. But it's currently banned. <laughs> but it's currently banned, so if you follow me, I cannot follow you back or interact or anything. Uh, no, I saw some people just grumbling and bumbling about free speech on Twitter, as you so often do. And there was some talk about whether or not you could post porn on the site. Right. Or if pornography was free speech, which it is, you have the right to uh, your pornography. It's in there. It's in the First Amendment. You have the right to make it and uh, do as you wish. Yes. For the most part. Uh, within limits. I'm happy that our forefathers uh, spelled that out for us. Mostly our four, uh, who was his name? Larry Flint. Oh, yeah. Mostly our four Flints. <laughs> <laughs> he was paralyzed for it, to be to be honest. He got shot by some kook. Uh, but, That's a good point. Yeah. But, uh, but I was like, no. I was like, you can post pornography. And I was like, you can report it and nothing will happen. And, uh, so I posted some pornography. Right. Uh, and then I was like, I'm going to bother this lady until she acknowledges that I posted the porn and it can't get removed, which is against the rules. <laughs> you cannot harass someone on Twitter. <laughs> it's not a story that makes me look good, but it's a, it's what they call a Pyrrhic victory. The porn <laughs> itself cannot be removed. That act is legal. If you post that porn at someone uh, a couple of times, they will. She actually tagged Elon Musk because I don't think she's like that intelligent, <laughs> but uh, it seems to have worked. 
<laughs> he fired everyone yesterday. Uh, so I guess he was just handling all that stuff himself for a while. And uh, <laughs> I've been targeted by the state. Shit. Yeah. This account's under the, it's, we're in the, the crosshairs of the deep state. <laughs> well, um. You know what that means. It's, uh, when I start talking like that, it's got to be close to raincoat files, which this is not, but <laughs> when I get in that mood, it can't be far behind. Yeah. i got to track down a bottle of cough syrup and sort this whole thing out. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's all to say. You can follow us on Instagram. You can follow us on Twitter. If you'd like to receive two extra episodes a month or an, ec- or an early release episodes, Subscribe for $5 a month at patreon.com slash report. You will have to type it in, I believe, still. Yes. Um, even though you signed up as like adult content and they told you you couldn't post pornography, we couldn't link to pornography through it, and we can't, but we can't be searchable through it either. It's so infuriating. It's Byzantine. Well, I think the thing is, if we were to post pictures of our cocks on our Patreon, I think that that would be okay. Okay. But if we posted pictures of us butt ramming each other, I think that would not be okay. It's a strange world. It is. It's a it's a disgusting world. Yeah, and it's filled with people like me. So welcome <laughs> once again to the Raincoat Report. Oh, yes, uh, that's Jeremy, and I'm Boss. Yeah, I'm doing fine. Uh, this week, as I alluded <laughs> to a while ago, uh, we're going to talk about disco. Yes, the Let's, age of disco through the eyes of our buddy Bob Chen. In an era when you could harass women as much as you pleased. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but that's not the lesson you should take away from this. No. Though uh, it is one of the lessons that uh, you kind of learn through this film as well. Yes, it's... I think there's a lot to be said about uh, toxic masculinity in this film. Yeah. Um, there's a... I've been huffing it so much since the last time we talked about it. I've almost <laughs> forgotten about it. But I'm back. <laughs> God. My brain's fucked up. My amazing brain is finally, finally smoking. <laughs> you finally just ruined it. Yeah. <laughs> I was just in there smacking keys and pressing <laughs> buttons, and it just it caught fire. Shit. Yeah. Um, I'll let you take over for a little bit. Okay. Well, uh, this is a Bob Chin joint. Um, it's kind of interesting in that it's deep enough in his career where he's making pretty decently put-together films on the regular, but this is... I wouldn't say... Uh, I would say that this film is a lot more simple when it comes to plot, although it kind of gets deep in a few weird areas. <laughs> it, um, it has some unexpected twists and turns. Uh, it's certainly helped by the fact that it is uh, only 58 minutes long, at least as presented by Vinegar Syndrome. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it goes by nice and fast, good pacing. Uh, but... There's a whole lot of sex in it and a little bit of a story, and there's a lot to uh, talk about when it comes to the story. The story as it is, it involves a lot of like subplots. Yeah, it does. There's a. Well, we were just talking about how we had covered 
one other pornographic film that was centered around a big uh, New Year's party. Yeah. And uh, that was... Uh, f- Foxtrot. Foxtrot. I had to think about the title <laughs> earlier, too, while I was watching it. This movie kind of has a similar feel to Foxtrot. Well, it does it, certainly in the sense that like Foxtrot was a sto- a bunch of little stories about a bunch of people that kind of cross over. Right. And this film certainly has that thing going on. Yeah, it's a similar idea. The execution of it is we shall see. We we got to review it later. Yeah, we we can't spoil spoil the beans. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. You don't want to spoil those beans. Uh, Didn't you have a roommate that just left the chili out on their stove and just kept reheating it for yeah. like a week at a time? Well, it was like only out. I think it was like out for like maybe like three or four days. Okay. Because um, he had somehow been convinced, I think, by his parents that you didn't put chili in the fridge. Oh, okay. Which I was like, that seems like a, a strange way to store it. So for the first day or two, I was like, I'll eat it. And I felt okay. But then I opened yeah. it up another day and it was just like green and black. And I was like, uh, I was like, you shouldn't have stored it this way. <laughs> and I was like, we almost, I was like, we almost ate rancid chili tonight. <laughs> um, but I know, yeah, put it in the fridge. Yeah, that, that's our tip don't, to you, our raincoat report audience. Don't leave the chili on the stove. Don't spoil the beans. Don't spoil the beans. Don't let anybody know how you feel about a pornographic film until you're ready to. Yeah. <laughs> that was Travis Bickle's big mistake. <laughs> uh, okay, so so this film has uh, a few familiar faces and... Uh, We've got a few familiar places. A few familiar places because they reuse like the same set for most of the sex. Oh yeah, <laughs> we have what I believe is billed to be the introduction of Rhonda Joe Petty. Okay, as Carla. Yeah, a uh, character whose arc you really get a feel for. Yeah, um, we also have a familiar face in Mike Ranger who shows up a lot. Yeah, he's a good guy. Uh, he does well. We also have appearances by our favorite power couple, uh, Rick Lutz and Renee Bond. They're both here. Yep. Uh, though Renee Bond just appears as a woman dancing at the club. Uh, but Rick Lutz has a has a, a beefier Some, role. Yeah, it's beefier. Like that, like in our chili. <laughs> like in your rancid chili. Yeah. You know what surprises me is this is Disco Lady... Where is uh, Andrea True? Yes, where's Andrea True in all of this? Oh, they couldn't yeah. even get an original song out of her. That's a that's a really good point. Yeah, it's I guess fucked uh, up. maybe she was more on the East Coast and Bob Chen's on the West Coast. And as a character in this says, as a long distance phone call. <laughs> Uh, all right, well, we'll take a quick break. I think that covers it enough, and we'll be back to talk more about Disco Lady. Ooh, Disco Lady. Hey, Rick, do you remember what we did on our first anniversary? Oh, how could I forget? The Jaguar Club. You and I on the dance floor, cheek to cheek. <laughs> you know, I think we danced until dawn that night. So you take me dancing tonight? What? 
Not tonight, honey. The Sugar Bowl's on TV tonight. Come on, honey. It's New Year's Eve and we haven't been out in a long time. Oh, I know that, but honey, I gotta see Alabama. Come on, Rick. It'll be fun. Oh, I don't want you, honey. It's Bear Bryant's last season and everything else. Oh, and then tomorrow, all the games. Oh, shooting all those drunks out on the ride on. Come on, honey. When you could post porn on Tumblr, it kept all, the, like, the social malcontents. Like, the people that you would, like, if you were having, like, a party and you had, like, a kid that was weird, you'd, like, just be like, here, play Doom in your room all night. <laughs> it just let them all out. <laughs> like, once they couldn't, like, jack off to, like, uh, anime, like, titties or, like, whatever, like, terrible yeah. things they wanted to see. Uh and then Brett Kavanaugh was elected to serve on the Supreme Court. A lot of bad stuff has followed from it. Uh, and here we are today. <laughs> but they do allow nudity again, so maybe if one of the big social media sites collapses, we can retreat there and uh, get a fair shake. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll see what we can do. If I, I bet if I was like, look at these... Aesthetics of porn, we could probably lure in a lot of fucking dopes. <laughs> Speaking of aesthetics, let's talk about Disco Lady and its glittery, light-filled glamour of the days gone by of Club Studio Fifty Club Studio Fifty Four. <laughs> Club Studio Fifty Four. Yeah, where the action takes place. Well, the action really takes place at the Disco Lady. Oh, oh, it's like uh, Cheers. Yeah. Okay. It's where everybody knows your name. Yeah. Kind of. That, that, that cop at the front seems to know everybody. Yeah, and he knew that Jack had no business being there. Yeah. Anyhow, <laughs> Disco Lady opens with our credits over a bunch of people dancing. It's here where we get introduced to our Disco Lady theme song. Which, amongst other things, goes, ooh, disco lady. Easiest hook in the world to write. I can watch you dance for a million years. Ooh, <laughs> disco lady. It's no hot and saucy pizza girls, but no. it'll do. Yeah, in a pinch. In a pinch. I do appreciate Bob Chin just having theme songs for his films. Yeah, for I always, sure. Uh, I love that. I love when uh, that makes it feel more real. Makes it legit. Yeah. An original soundtrack. We cut to Carla, Rhonda Joe Petty, getting a ride from a pimp in a Continental. This is Candyman, who is uh, played by Tony Todd. <laughs> no, this is uh, Alan Kohlberg as Candyman. Yeah. Uh, now, if, if this movie was the exact same, except it was Tony Todd as the Candyman playing Candyman. I think it would be great. Yeah. It, it would bump it up another level for sure. What ha what follows would be a little less shocking. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> Candyman explains he's called Candyman because, you know, I deal in candy. Uh, and uh, Carla picks up on this. Oh, nose candy, my favorite. <laughs> they drive away, and uh, Carla is now Candyman's property. 
(laughs) (laughs) We cut to Sherry and Angie in a phone booth. I think this is all we see of Angie. Um, Sherry's calling some guy who she got his number from on the check that he paid with at, like, I guess a restaurant she works at or something. Mm Mm-hmm. She was trying to go out with him, but he and his wife are going to a PTA meeting that night. Womp, womp, womp. So Sherry hangs up upset. I get it. He's married. Yeah. And it's not like they, like, hooked up and then she's calling him back. She just got his number off of his check. Yeah. (laughs) It is kind of weird. Yeah, these characters really go nowhere. (laughs) <laughs> no, not They're at all. They're just in a phone booth. There were too many plot lines and one had to get cut. Yeah, it would have been better if they just hadn't started it. <laughs> well, he... <laughs> and maybe Bob They had Chen... to get up to that 58 minutes somehow. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe there's stuff missing from this, but... Maybe. Like a whole reel that's just their zany adventure. Right. Who knows? Well, we cut to a bedroom with Rick, played by Rick Lutz. Yeah. And his wife, who does not have a name in this film. No, I think in the credits, he's just Rick's wife. Yep. <laughs> so, uh, Rick gives his wife her fifth anniversary present, a watch. His wife loves it, and she says she loves him. Rick says he's got something else for her, opening up his robe, revealing his cock. He's got a stellar performance in this. He's, <laughs> he's just doing... Uh, Johnny without the the chuckles. Right. Rick Lutz. He's a Hall of Famer. Yeah, man. I really do love him. I love Rick Lutz. <laughs> Rick Lutz drives me nuts. <laughs> <laughs> Rick says he's... Oh, yeah. yeah. So Rick's wife gets down and starts to blow him. Rick's, Rick is very chatty during this mm-hmm. and says many things, uh, including, oh, you're my little private whore, aren't you? Whose tits are these? Yeah. Uh, get, he, get dirty with that cock. I will note he's reading a novel called The Choir Boys. Oh, yeah? Which I looked up. It's, uh, it's a novel that got turned into like a, like a late 70s film. And it's basically it's by like an ex-cop who turned author, uh-huh. but it's just about corrupt cops covering up for each other oh. sounds great like the main thrust of the film is like this one cop's a drunk and like hates everyone that he has to like deal with on right. the street uh, another cop is just like always busting prostitutes and like fucking them and then another cop finally like just murders a gay man and then they all have to cover it up oh <laughs> um seems like it might be an interesting film but uh i don't know I don't like it. I feel like that that movie is probably a a lot truer than a lot of people would want to say. Well, in that case, maybe it's more appropriate to these times, depending on what its actual message lands on. Yeah, I need to see it and make sure it's not like a death wish where all this turns out to be good. (laughs) But uh, just a little background on what Rick Lutz is reading in bed on New Year's Eve. (laughs) We get some jammy electric guitar through all of this. After a bit, she notes she has a surprise for him. She drops her towel and turns around to reveal her shaven pussy. Yeah, it's, oh, you said that weird, but yeah. What a, <laughs> what a rarity in these times. Uh, but not well, in this film. No, no. I think maybe it was, maybe by 78, it was becoming a, I mean, a little 
trend on the West Coast. I think it's something that maybe they were dipping their toes into. They ha- they yeah. didn't really go all the way until the '90s, really. Yeah. But we I think during the '80s we see more trimming. Yeah. Uh, usually not shaving, but occasionally shaving, yeah. but often like trimming Trim. it down. Yeah, just a just an, run a raz- razor with a guard over it. Yeah, you know, keep keep the trim up the thighs a little bit. Yeah, keep that asshole clean. Yeah. Uh, debris free <laughs> camera ready you know a little more grooming uh eventually it caught up to the guys i think but not until like a lot more recently i would say like the 2000s yeah. you when you like stop seeing like as much dude pubic hair at least in the pros yeah yeah uh i feel like you probably see it more in amateur stuff though yeah i would still say that even watching amateur porn i feel like it's Fairly rare to have more than kind of just, uh, you know, maybe like a half inch of pubic hair there where it's being trimmed sure. up. Where it's a lot, lot less natural, as I w- say. I will say that the bush is back with ladies, though. Yeah. Like, at least, not that it's, like, taken over, but it's more that uh, it's acceptable now. Yeah. In, in the greater public view, which is good. The ladies have returned to, uh, they've embraced the hair. Yeah. And I think it's great. I think, uh, I think hair, it's like that musical, <laughs> which I've never seen, but I assume it's just hair positive. <laughs> and that's what I am. I'm hair positive. I so, say, I say, do what you want. I say this lady did what she wanted and it's completely shaved. Yeah. And Rick Lutz says, I've got to eat that. <laughs> so Rick starts to go down on his wife. He soon after asks her if she's ready to fuck and then mounts her missionary. He says, I want to watch that pussy while I fuck it. And he holds up one of her legs and starts to fuck her with her legs kind of open so he can look down. She uh, plays with her clit as he's fucking away. Then he says, I'm going to make you drink my cum. He pounds away for a while and the chatter continues. After a bit, he pulls out and she sucks his cock more. Rick then tells his wife he's going to come in the little glass that he picked up uh, off of like the side table there. uh, And that he's going to pour it all over her. So she sucks away for a bit and finishes him off. Uh, A lot of it seemed to get on the sheets rather than into the glass, but a respectable amount did get into the glass. Yeah, he pours a pretty good load onto her face. Yes, he... Indeed lives up to his promise and pours it on her face and lips, and she licks it off of his cock more. We then cut to the Disco Lady, the hot club where they do disco. Uh, Here, some dudes, Johnny, Tony, and Jack pull up in in a loud car and holler at some ladies. Uh, the D, the MC at the Disco Lady, who is Scorpio Sal. Yeah, played by Ken Scudder. Yes, uh, of oh, what was he in? Pretty Peaches, I yeah, think, and some other stuff. Yeah, a few other things. Sometimes I get him mixed up with John Seaman. Oh yeah, but not this time. Now, you said his name's Tony. I kept hearing Tony because the other guy's name was Johnny. They're like, it's Johnny and Tony. But maybe that's just a regional accent. I don't know. He's listed in the credits as Tony. Yeah. Tony's more of a girl's name, I think. Yeah. Tony Catan. 
Yeah. Yeah, she was in White Snake. Okay. <laughs> yeah, she was in White Snake. <laughs> she played bass. <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, Scorpio Sal, the MC at the Disco Lady, introduces some music he's referring to as punk disco by a band called Borgasm. Uh, this sounds like regular disco to me. Yeah. Uh, we watch all the people dance around at the club. And Johnny and Tony make their way into the club, followed shortly after by Jack. Uh, the security guard, however, stops Jack and sends him away because he doesn't have an ID, despite Jack's pleas that he's there all the time with Johnny and Tony. Scorpio Sal introduces the next song at the Disco Lady by Ryan Revolta, I believe it was. Yeah. And it was, If You Can't Be With The One You Love, Eat The One You're With. Yeah, all these songs have great names, and I like the idea. There is kind of like a uh, sort of like a genre that would be called like mutant disco, where they would kind of combine like maybe like some post punk and like maybe some like other kind of out there sounds. Yeah, and uh, that sort of thing. And it would be very interesting if this film had that sort of soundtrack. Right, right. Uh, there's some stuff in that genre on uh, the cruising soundtrack. Okay. Uh, so. This would be a very different film if it had uh, something crazy and kooky instead of some very simple, like, synth-powered, like, disco rhythms. Right. Yeah, I made a note that all the disco songs that are uh, instrumental kind of sound the same. Yeah. Johnny and Tony are at the bar surveying the ladies. Outside, Jack is smoking a cigarette. As he is, we see Carla and Candyman walk in. Carla stops, though, and notices Jack and refers to him as Peter Frampton. <laughs> Inside, Johnny and Tony yell at some dudes for sitting at their table and send them away. However, the ladies who were sitting at the table are still there and they just start hitting on them. It seems like they know them. That might be true. It sounds that like seems they, likely. It seems like they knew their names and they were like, oh, okay. we were tired of talking to those creeps. Okay, that makes sense. If they're there all the time, you know, you got your regulars. Yeah, okay. Your regulars. Carla is then offered to a John by Candyman, who sends her to a room down the hall to service him. Candyman has excellent threads and a very cool cigarette holder. Yeah. It's <laughs> like fucking like a foot long. Yeah. I would really like one, but I don't smoke cigarettes. I guess I would just put like a, a joint of like spice in it. <laughs> <laughs> if I was going discoing, oh yeah. We cut to Carla in what appears to be a bathroom uh, with her client. He says he paid a lot, so this better be good. And we pan down to her blowing her client uh, as her dress is pulled up and she's playing with her also shaven vagina. Yes. She has some very uh, external labia. She does. Uh, so it's the sort of thing you wouldn't see if there was a bunch of hair there. That's true. So you're really getting a good, this is a good one. It's about anatomy. <laughs> you know, it's a good look. All the pussies of the world look a little different. They do. They're like fingerprints. They are like fingerprints or snowflakes. Yeah. Or uh, Digimon or Pokemon. <laughs> Anything where there's just so many of them 
clouds even. I feel like Pokemon, there's a there's a certain finite number of them for sure. No, they're always making new ones. I guess that's true. As long as history doesn't end, there will always be more Pokemon. Okay. Okay. You, you've convinced me. Thank you. I'm on board. Thank you. We cut to Rick back at home in bed. His wife talks to him about how they danced at a club on their first date, and then she notes... The Jaguar that, Club. Yes, the Jaguar Club. She says they should go out tonight, and Rick whines about how the Sugar Bowl is on, and it's Bear Brown's last season, and all of this. He's uh, <laughs> uh, full. Yeah, he goes full Johnny here, where he's just whining. Yeah, it reminds me of... Uh, there's, a, I think, a episode of The Simpsons where uh, Homer's mom wants to go do something and uh the grand grandpa's like no i can't like i gotta stay here and support the super bowl or else this thing might never take off <laughs> yeah <laughs> just a real uh just a real just a real uh square well we cut from rick whining in bed directly to him and his wife at the club ordering drinks back in the bathroom carl is getting cunnilingus to the disco lady theme as she rubs her breasts one of her legs is planted on the sink and the other's propped up on her client's shoulder. We cut to the floor and Candyman's dancing around with Renee Bond. <laughs> we cut back and Carla's client is now fucking her as she's sitting on the sink. He licks her ear a bunch as he pounds away. He finally pulls out and thrusts until he drops a thick load on her stomach and pubic region. Mm-hmm. Back to the club floor, Rick is getting trashed. The waitress spills a drink on Rick accidentally. He asks if she can bring him something to dry off with, but she suggests he follow her to the back for a blow dryer. Instead, they go to a back room where there's a mattress against the wall, which Rick quickly lays down and the waitress sits on it, dabbing his crotch with a cloth. She suggests that he may need to take his pants off, which he is excited to do, and then the waitress immediately starts to blow him. Man, Rick Lutz just hates his wife. Meanwhile, Rick Lutz <laughs> is going uh, great with his uh, dirty talk, including, where'd you get those big tits? Your mama give them to you? <laughs> <laughs> the waitress continues to blow Rick as he fully undresses and unties her top to reveal her breasts, which she s- starts to promptly caress. Who plays the waitress? The waitress is played by Tiffany Ladd. Yeah. I say it's not uh, Desiree Cousteau, but she has a nice similar look with, with uh, curly hair and uh, nice breasts. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I think this is the only real feature film she was in. Okay, she's got like four credits on the Internet Adult Film Database, but the other ones seem like they might be like compilations. Gotcha. Seems disappointing. Yep. Uh, somebody else who this is also their own film while we're talking about it is Robin Savage, who plays Rick's wife, which I thought she did a great job in this. So I'm sort of surprised by that. Yeah, this one has some one hit wonders. Cut to Rick's wife alone at the table, then back to Rick going down on the waitress. He fingers her a bit, revealing his gaudy rings uh, with red stones on them. Mm hmm. Uh, Rick and the waitress move on to 69ing for a bit. His awful disco medallion's in the way as he's trying to do his thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
This continues for a while, and we get cutaways to Rick's wife waiting around. We cut to Rick fucking the waitress with one of her legs pinned up. We see Rick's wife looking around, and she hears Rick fucking the waitress behind a door at the club. She calls him a cocksucker, and finding Tony nearby, who's on a payphone, grabs Tony's hand and leads him away, despite Tony noting that that was a long-distance call. Yeah. Uh, they, who was he calling long distance at the disco? I don't know. <laughs> Tony's mysterious. Tony works in mysterious ways. Yeah. They enter <laughs> another room. Uh, it's the women's room. And uh, Rick's wife sits down on the blue cushioned bench there and unzips Tony's pants and quickly starts to blow him. Hey, ladies get couches in the women's room, but men don't. I don't understand why. I think the argument is like women get cramps and stuff and need to sit down or something. I, I don't get know. fucking cramps after I fucking take a big old poop. <laughs> I could sit for like five minutes before going back to work. <laughs> you know, um, if they think we're going to piss on it or like something like ladies have to sit down to piss. <laughs> so what's the what's there? I don't know. You should bring this up on our Patreon episode when my girlfriend's going to be on the show. All right. Yeah, we're going to have I'm sure she'll be she'll love to have this conversation with war of the sexes. (laughs) I think that women deserve the couches, but I think that I would like to sit. That's fair. I think it should be equality. Okay, that's fair. Well, Rick continues to fuck away. And his wife continues to suck off Tony. Rick's wife gets in doggy position on the couch and Tony starts to fuck her from behind. Rick comes on the waitress's tits and neck and then kisses all over her and definitely gets quite a bit of cum on his face. Fuck yeah. Tony continues to fuck Rick's wife. A lady opens the door to the bathroom where Tony's fucking Rick's wife and runs out. Just as Rick is walking out of the room he was in, The lady walks by him and tells him he won't believe what's going on in there, pointing to the ladies' room. Just as Rick goes to walk into the ladies' room, the security guard stops him and tells him to get lost. (laughs) As such, Tony gets to continue to fuck Rick's wife doggy style. Tony eventually pulls out and finishes on her ass and leg. We then cut to another husband and wife that we hadn't seen up to this point. Yes. Richard and Margot. Yeah, very... Who are they? Well, they're did... arguing about some unknown events, which it sounds like maybe uh, Richard cheated on Margot, but they don't explicitly say that. It does sound like an affair because he says it had, he like makes a slip up and says, oh, we would have had this conversation eight months ago. Oh, yeah. And she says something like, oh, that was you told going me it was on just for... a yeah. few months or something. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. Damn. She swears revenge on him, saying she's going out tonight by herself. She tells him don't expect her to come back. He then threatens to kill her. She doesn't take it very seriously. She sasses him, saying that if he did, it'd be the only decisive thing he'd ever done in his life. Absolutely. We then see Richard pulling out his revolver and spinning the cylinder. (laughs) (laughs) And the movie has taken a turn. (laughs) I, I could not believe my eyes. Uh, it's so late in the movie, there's like 
20 minutes left at this point or like right. maybe like 20 30 no well not it's later in the film it's because it's only 58 minutes long so i have to like adjust my time scale in right ahead but it's the start of the third act let's say that yeah johnny and sherry are at a table at the club chatting they decide to go off to another room for some privacy meanwhile carla approaches the candy man and demands her cut from him which he hems and haws about but reluctantly and angrily gives money to her sherry and johnny find their way into the room that the waitress and rick were just fucking in Johnny helps Sherry take off her knee-high boots and they undress. As Johnny's pants slide down, Sherry starts to suck his cock. After a minute, they lay down on the bed and the sucking continues. Johnny says, Come here and sit on my face. And they begin to 69. Then Johnny says, They lied to me about Orientals. But it doesn't elaborate on that. Wait, when he goes to 69 her? Yes. So Okay, is I, it... I know what's going on here. <laughs> yes, it's what you think it is. Okay. <laughs> the 69ing continues and Johnny spends time fingering Sherry's vagina a bit. Rick and Renee are dancing at the club together. What a lovely scene. Mm-hmm. Johnny starts to fuck Sherry Missionary on the mattress as the disco music picks up in intensity. This continues for a bit, with them stopping for a moment for an intense tongue-kissing break. I think at this scene they make it clear that this mattress was back here because the owner liked to like screw all the chicks he hired on it. Okay. Because when it first appeared, I wondered, like, why is this here? I was like, is this also like a, a Plato's closet situation? <laughs> Plato's for- retreat? Yeah. <laughs> Plato's <laughs> closet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, uh, that's a local place where you can turn in your yeah, old a, clothes. And it's a clothing consignment store. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's like, I don't know if it's a Plato's Retreat situation or not, <laughs> but it doesn't seem to be. It just seems to be a tiny disco in a nondescript town uh, with a sleazy owner. Right. Finally, Johnny pulls out and uh, Sherry strokes him off onto her tits. Outside, we see a car pulling up with Margot getting out, who runs into Jack outside. Jack explains the security guard won't let him in, so he's waiting for his friends because he needs a ride home. Margot offers to take him into the club, and he seems hesitant that this will work due to the security guard knowing him, but she assures him it'll be okay. We see Margot go in, and she immediately embraces the cop, who gets a real big grip on her ass as yeah, Jack is sneaking in. Yeah, he's very familiar. We then cut outside to Margot's husband, Richard, showing up in another car. He sees her car and is infuriated. Yes. Inside, Jack and Margot park themselves at a table, and Margot has apparently bought him a drink. She asks if he's old enough to drink, uh, jokingly. We see Richard park himself at a table and order a scotch and water. He's clearly upset. We get some shots of dancing around the club, and Richard sees Margot dancing at the club with Jack. Yeah, we see a lot of this in like a, like kind of like a mirror, like reverse shot. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's a nice little decision to do that, especially in a, a club that's full of mirrors. Yeah, Scorpio Sal then begins to count down to the new year, as they approach one. 
we get this weird slow-mo shot where everybody yells happy new year and we see everybody celebrating in slow-mo then we hear scorpio sal yell out he's gotta go (laughs) we see richard flinging a gun around and jack grabs his uh gun toting hand and wrestles the gun away from him with the help of an older guy and a cop who restrain richard and drag him away with a nightstick to his throat it seems like he fired some shots off there was a sound like a gunshot but it seemed like it was like while his gun was in the air so it probably didn't hit anybody i don't know well you never see the other you never see the other two again i guess that's true what to think about we see Candyman running out of the club as sirens start to approach. Oh yeah, he's got to get the fuck out of yeah. there. <laughs> Rick runs out, drunkenly yelling that this used to be the Jaguar Club. <laughs> we see Carla stop to count her money on the way out. The security guard up front asks if she's okay, and she nods and says goodbye to him and leaves. We then get a panning shot through the now empty mess of the club all the trash on the tables. We stop at one particular table, and then we get our credits. Mm-hmm. And that was Disco Lady. This movie ended in like the most 70s way possible. Yeah. Just a complete and total like 180 into just grimness. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're not clear if he got anybody, but it's, uh, it's not made clear either that he did not. Right. Uh, you just see him getting dragged away. <laughs> It's uh, the words of Scorpio Sal ring in your ears. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be back to give our final thoughts on Disco Lady. You'd think if I told you, you would have understood. We would have had this argument eight months ago. Eight months? You just got through telling me this has only been going on for a couple of weeks. You bastard. I'll get revenge. I'm going out tonight, by myself. And if I meet someone, don't expect me to come home. For that matter, don't expect me at all. Go anywhere and I'll kill you. Oh, you really scare me, Richard. I mean it, Margo. I'm gonna have to kill you. If you did, it would be the only decisive thing you've done in your whole damn life. Jeremy. How did you feel about this disco lady? <laughs> this disco lady is one fine dancer. <laughs> is that the headline to your review in the newspaper? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I would say the dancing in this film breaks a solid like C. I would say in the, the words of the Beatles, you might be a lover, but you ain't no dancer. <laughs> But this is a very, uh, it's a very fun film to watch. It doesn't quite hit the heights of, uh, say, Hot and Saucy Pizza Girls, but that's hard. I would say that this film, it's sort of like a half-competent version of something like Foxtrot, which I didn't think was had succeeded entirely to begin with. <laughs> uh, the stories in this are the intertwining threads in this are even vaguer right but the finished product is uh just a lot more insane just for those last 15 minutes where uh or even like the just 
the the, the third act. Yeah. There, uh, that twist really drove it up in my estimation. <laughs> uh, I don't know where that came from. Yeah, it's it's quite wild. Yeah, it doesn't. It comes out of left field, uh, and that raises my uh, like I said, it raises my estimation of this film. Okay, but I would say that the characters as they are don't really have like sufficient motivation, or if they do, we don't understand it. Yeah, like in some cases, it's completely mysterious like in the case of richard and Margot, yeah i think though like like through context you think it's it's an affair right but his first resort is i'm going to kill you and then he's like all right i'm gonna follow through right (laughs) well and, and like but at the same time i guess really the only ones now that i think about it the only ones that really do get some sort of like development in their plot line is rick and his wife yeah God, and she didn't even have a name yeah she doesn't <laughs> even have a name but there is at least like a story to what happens with them yeah so in this sense rick lutz is sort of the star which yeah. i can always which i can always appreciate right um it, it, it's kind of a mess but everything that comes out of it ultimately is charming i do think that the sex scenes are are, are pretty solid overall uh i like bob chin's kind of camera work style that has a lot of movement to it throughout the sex scenes yeah uh you get a lot of shots of people's faces and things like that the positions change quite frequently yeah yeah um it's so funny that like the main star like female star of this doesn't have a name for her character and it was her only film <laughs> like the only one with any development right like you think the film might be about Rhonda Joe Petty when it starts because she's like the first person you're introduced to right but she just immediately apparently becomes a prostitute that yeah. day <laughs> just for a little cocaine uh, she must have been down and out I wish we knew a little bit more about her and the candy man yeah I feel like there's a lot more room for character development with her and Candyman, and a lot of characters. I do feel like this film, the pacing is pretty good for being like 58 minutes, but it is one that I feel like if there was an extra 20 or so to develop some of these storylines a little bit better, I would probably push it up uh, just a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. But as it stands, we've got good performances from Rick Lutz and his wife. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um some uh some decent disco music it it doesn't really stand out compared to other films but it's not abysmal i do wonder what they were dancing to while they shot the film yeah. if this was blaring over some speakers or if it was just quiet right. as it often is the story has something to it overall there's something there that could really be uh dug out a little bit more and i, I think you would have a finer film yeah. Ultimately, which I feel like I'm just going back over what I've already said. Uh, I would give this one a nice, shiny three and a half. Okay. I think uh, its main drawback is definitely that it tries to do a lot in a very short amount of time. Yeah. And you also have to factor in that, like, probably about 35% of it is sex scenes, if not more. Right. Uh, and that hurts a little bit overall as a film. But uh, just as an ex- as a, a film going experience, I-, I would rate it quite highly. I would say definitely check it out if you 
if you saw Frankie and Johnny were lovers and like that, and you just crave more Rick Lutz, <laughs> this is the one for you. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I would agree with you on most of that. I would say that the movie really lacks a lot of development in its short run time. Uh, I appreciate the short run time. It makes it so that it never gets boring or anything. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it also works quite a bit against it, I think. Yeah, because there's there's enough that they tease at that you would probably stay invested in. Like, if they flesh it out just a little bit more. Right. So, I think that definitely, like that said, like, brings it down from his better films. Yeah, for sure. And I would say that overall, to me, of the Bob Chin films we've covered, I think this is my least favorite one. Oh, yeah. That being said, I would still say that I found it enjoyable. Do you like Body Girls more than this? Yeah. Okay. I think it has a more fun atmosphere. You're definitely right. I was thinking about it while I watched this. This one just suddenly gets so grim that it it delights me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I do appreciate that about it. I I do like it overall because it takes a lot of big swings. Yeah. And uh, it doesn't execute them super well, but it definitely no. takes them, and I appreciate that about it. It's like a fat old softball player. I would say that the sex is good in it, but I would also say it's not exceptional. I did like them catching the cum in the glass and pouring it on. You don't see a ton of that. Yeah, and, that's uh, true. I feel like when you do see it, usually it's a vampire doing it. So <laughs> I'm glad that this time it was just regular old Rick Lutz. Yeah, just Rick Lutz being filthy, and just we the, appreciate the that. whiny pervert. <laughs> um, have you ever seen the movie Gimme Shelter? No. The uh, no, 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 his, no. Uh, late 60s, early 70s documentary about the Rolling Stones and... Mm -hmm. In particular, it's one of those documentaries that was fortuitous in the sense that there was a documentary crew following the Rolling Stones around when some shit went down at mm -hmm. the uh, free concert at Altamont. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so that whole uh, controversy and event is a big portion of the end of that film. And... Was Rick Lutz there? Rick Lutz was not there, but... The thing that like the end of this movie really reminds me of Give Me Shel Give Me Shelter because mm -hmm. towards the end of Give Me Shelter, the thing that happened at Altamont, there's yeah. there's a lot to it, but yeah, the yeah, important yeah. parts to this are that the uh Hell's Angels were doing security at the event and were getting very aggressive with the crowd. Because they were paid in beer. Because they were paid in beer. And were also probably just on a shit ton of meth. Right. They brought themselves. <laughs> yes. Uh, but essentially, at one point, this guy runs up with a gun. And so the Hell's Angels tackle him and stab him to death. Mm -hmm. And that, like, you know, was obviously a huge fucking deal that, like, put a downer on this concert. Certainly. Uh, many people consider that the end of the summer of love. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> that definitely. it started out so uh, upbeat mm -hmm. and carries us into the bleakness of the seventies. Yeah, so this is what you're saying is the gimme shelter of pornography, well, more or less. In a way, but it's about more, music and it's about murder. But more specifically, towards the end of the film. We see, uh, I think it's uh, Mick Jagger mm -hmm. and the documentar documentarians 
they're going over this film footage from the concert and we see footage of the guy running out with the gun and putting it up in the air and and like him getting tackled and you don't really see him getting stabbed but you yeah, see the yeah, people yeah. on top of him and stuff yeah they keep but, those shivs low but they uh, they just keep replaying the film over and over again and in slow motion and stuff. And that part reminds me of the end of this film and the okay. fa- fact that everything goes in slow motion yeah, yeah. as the gun's getting pulled away from this guy and he's yeah. getting tackled. I think it may be an intentional it reference. It possibly could be. Uh, I have a bunch of my stuff boxed up, including the Bob Chin autobiography you gave me right oh, now. Yeah. Uh, so I, I could I didn't get a chance to check it out on this okay. one, but uh, I'll look into it in the future. That's uh, that has to be intentional, and uh, I, I like that he's bringing his film influences to uh, to bear upon his pornographic projects. He's a real Brian De Palma type. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I would say that this film it has this weird tone to it that's not. Uh, not consistent, but yeah. it's, it's weird enough to make it interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, overall, I would give it three stars. Okay. I think that the sex is good, but not exceptional. I think that Rick Lutz is a lot of fun, but almost none of the characters have any development. And yeah, you almost don't know their names. And frankly, uh, I, I I generally like a more fun tone to my pornography. Yeah. And I'm I am okay with it getting serious. Like I loved uh, uh, Corruption. Yeah, you know. great film. But this one, it doesn't really execute super well. And I think for that reason, I guess if a if a porn film is trying to be serious, I want it to either land like really well executed yeah. or just be so over the top that I find it fun. And it, this kind of lands somewhere in the middle. Uh, certainly, yeah. Because up until up until that fateful third act, it's just like I was giving it a three until about then. Like okay. I was I was on your side, but this like shook me from my stupor <laughs> okay. in such a way that I was like That's fair. I was like the gun's been introduced, but will it be fired? And then it was. <laughs> and then I was like, Well, goddamn, I was like this film was trying to be a comedy up until this point, <laughs> yeah. and now I'm supposed to take it really seriously. Yeah. Uh, and that just kind of like, sometimes that tonal imbalance can really throw something off. And I think that could have been, it kind of does here, uh, to hilarious results. That doesn't always happen. <laughs> but like I said, I think like an extra like 15 or 20 minutes to flesh out whatever was going on in Richard and Margot's lives and maybe have included a bit more of that as the main focus of the film since it yeah. ends up being like Rick Lutz's final line is a joke. Right. He's run out of the club without his wife yeah. on their anniversary. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's just one of those things that creates a schism in my brain and in my amazing brain. And then I laugh and <laughs> laugh and laugh. I think it's one of the things that might've broke it actually. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm going to have to kill you. What a... I, I know, Rezzy. Uh, what a fucking movie. <laughs> All right. Well, we already plugged our social media. Uh, rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. Uh, and tell people about it. I feel like any time if I tell a story about social media, I should plug it. Because otherwise, it's just me talking about getting into horseshit on Twitter and that. 
it's almost like telling someone about like your dreams. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, if you you got to use it as like a good uh, learning a little bit from how Alex Jones does it. He'll get real. <laughs> he'll get he'll get real ramped up and then pivot into like selling his stuff. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I'm I'm learning from him. I'm not gonna deny any like shooting events. Yet. That's good. Well, okay. There's always there's always the future, you know. But, yeah, uh, for I guess now, so. <laughs> I'm gonna keep those in my diary. I'm not gonna say them on air. Well, if you're gonna go at home and write a bunch of horrible things in your diary, don't forget your <laughs> raincoat because you're probably a weirdo. Yeah. <laughs> If you're going to the disco for a bloodbath, don't forget your raincoat. <laughs> I'm tired of chasing your rainbows. I don't need your pot of gold. Those fairy tales and dreams are leaving me cold. Stop saying you love me. I can feel it's not like before You pretend it's